Hi, good morning. My name is Kelty, and this is the part of our service that we call Charitable Giving. So this is both a time for me to thank you so very much for what you do for French Church in terms of giving back financially to help support this church. It is entirely through our donations that this church is able to operate and bring to you a service on Sundays, activities throughout the week, various discussion groups going back out into the community, um, and it is your financial support that allows that to happen. The ways that you can give to the church are plentiful. Um, One-time donations we will take any time. There is a way to do that through the app or through the website. You can click on the donate button. There's also, if you happen to be here in person, there's a box at the back of the church, a black box that you can slide your envelope into. The other option is pre-authorized giving, and that allows you to give on a regular basis through uh, a set amount each month. Again, you can set that up through the website, or if that's not your bag, feel free to give Jeff a call or Vince a call, and they can set you up with that for sure. The other thing that I want to talk a little bit about today, if you're in the app, you'll notice that there's other options to give other than just a straight, straight up admin type costs and really the health of this church. But there's really, you know, as, as we were just hearing, I think a lot of our mind and attention right now is being drawn to what's happening in Ukraine with the Russian invasion. Um, and it is a humanitarian crisis of epic proportions. If you want to give but aren't sure how, don't worry, we got your back. Um, we've done the hard work for you and figured out some ways to get money directly into the hands of people in Ukraine who need it the most. And so if you're in the app, there is an option to give to the Ukraine fund, which all of that money, 100% of it, goes directly to through the Red Cross. And that can go directly to the folks who need it the most um, at the time that they need it the most to help get them through. If you're sitting here thinking, hey, Kelty, this is all well and good, but I don't have extra money to give to the financial health of this church, but I really want to figure out how to help support it in a way, don't worry, we got you there too. And Vince is going to give you some explanation on that this morning of how you can help us without even one single dollar out of your pocket. <laughs> Thanks, Kelty. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Friend Church. You all uh, got through the snowstorm this morning. Was that what we call that, a snowstorm? We're getting really soft, aren't we? One warm day and then a little bit of snow and we're like, awesome, I'm staying home. <laughs> spring, yeah, welcome to Calgary in spring. Okay, French Church exists to inspire you. You guys donate to French Church to inspire the world. So a lot of the good things that happens in and through French Church, this is all of us. Everyone who's a part of this, who donates through this thing, that's why I often say you donate through French Church. You don't, don't, you don't just give to French Church, it's through French Church into the world around you. And what we're always looking for is ways to make that better. And so about 10 years ago, we started to talk about this idea of a casino. A lot of nonprofit organizations use casinos for fundraising. We thought, well, what could we do with casino money? How much good could we do in this world? And so after 10 years of discussion, 10 years, I don't know if exactly 10 years, you know guys know my time sense. It was the other day we talked about this, but it's been years. We finally decided we'd take the plunge and apply for a casino. And we got one. Now, the reason we did it is a couplefold. We think we can do incredible things with that money. But the other reason we did it is what Kelty said. If you would be willing, and again, I'm just going to throw this out there, if you'd be willing to give a block of your time, one shift, it's the equivalent of donating $1,800 to Friends Church. Isn't that a staggering amount? You show up, you hang out, you count some money, you eat some food, and you've essentially donated $1,800 to Friends Church. So if you have some time, if you have some availability, I can't remember the dates, it's in May. You can go on there, friendchurch.ca slash casino. See, we have a couple shifts left open. I think we have maybe 20 shifts left. 
If you'd be okay to do it, that puts $1,800 in Friend Church for us to use to inspire the world and make everything, make the world a better place. So if you're open, if you have a bit of time, if you don't, if you're completely slammed, I get it, totally understand. If you have a problem with casinos, if casinos have been a negative influence in your life, please do not volunteer. But if this could be a positive thing for you, $1,800 for a few hours of work, that's a pretty good return. So I invite you, friendchurch.ca slash casino. Now I'm gonna come back in just a second and start the talk for today, but the band came up with a song and I want you to sit through the lyrics and think about this idea of change as they sing. As you do, bring up even as you think, what are the things in your life that you probably need to change? What are the things you need to add into your life or take away? And as they sing, just try to bring that into your, your consciousness, okay? Oh, man. You know those moments where something happened, you know, years and years ago, and you never figured out what was going on? And it just sits in your mind as this kind of like little nagging thing. Like, why, why did that happen? We were doing a, a workshop with Friend Church. We were, you know, our model of spiritual journey. Can you throw it up there for me, Esmond? We're working on this we section of our lives, the physical we of like, how do we as a team function together? And so we had a facilitator in and she, she had us separated out as the task people and the people people. Can you guess which group I was in? I was a bunch of task people. We're all the people who, you know, do all this stuff. And then there's a bunch of people people and the, the facilitator comes to us and she says, okay, task people. Your job today in understanding the people who you work with is to motivate them to do the incredible, exciting, powerful work of filing. We had these music binders and you had to go through the entire music binder and find every page that was missing and then photocopy it and hole punch it and put it into the filing cabinet. Can you imagine what the people people are doing right now? They're just like this, oh, kill me now. And the facilitator is saying, no, 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 no. Task people, you need to get them motivated to file. How would you do it? Our first, as we got together, our first thought was, just do it. You're supposed to do it. Just do it. You can imagine how well that worked, huh? They're literally, like, their body language is just, and Jeff was in it, because Jeff's a people of people. God bless him, people of people. He's dying. Like, even the word filing, it's like he's got this, like, Ugh. The thing that blew my mind is, at the end, they were no longer rolling their eyes. They were smiling and saying, when can we start? How do you motivate someone to do something that needs to be done or even that they want to do? How do you go from a bunch of people rolling their eyes and going, there's no way in the world I'm filing anything to, when do we start? This series is, comes from years of us thinking about how do we motivate ourselves? You know, I'm going through my life and I'm, I do pretty good, I try my best. But sometimes I, you know, I got this ditch on the side I, I keep falling into. I ca- talked about it a couple of weeks ago. In my intimate relationships, I focus on them. I focus on my wife. What do you want, Vince? Nothing, babe. Whatever you want. Whatever you want. That's how I was taught. 
So how do I, how do I get out of that ditch and get back into the middle? It's easy to say, Vince, you're in the ditch. That's nice. But 10 seconds from now, I'm still in the ditch. Or I got back in the ditch. I didn't even pay attention. So the whole series is designed to go, how do we figure out how to get ourselves into the way we want to live our lives? Isn't that the thing we need to figure out? It's nice to be able to figure out, hey, what's not working? But that's nice. You just keep doing it over and over again. You know, I don't want to drink. Oh, I'm drinking again. I don't want to scream in traffic. Oh, I'm screaming in traffic again. I want to do more stage two cardio. I'm sitting on the couch watching Netflix. How do we bring ourselves to that place where we're actually motivated to do the things we need to do? And that's what the facilitator was trying to get us to figure out. How do you get a bunch of people who are rolling their eyes, zero motivation, negative 12 motivation to file paperwork to get them excited? So take a second and think into your life. What's something that needs to change? Some of the big ones are easy, you know. I need to exercise more. I need to eat healthier. Those are easy ones. They're good. We've got to start someplace. What about unhealthy relational patterns? What about poor spending habits? What about a way of seeing the world around you as, as scary and dangerous and not engaging with the people that you actually really want to connect to? What's the thing, if you look through your life and you go, what's the thing I need to change? What is that thing that comes to mind? Hold that there for this message, can you? Hold on to that thing that you go, man, if I could change that, my life would be better. The lives of the people around me would be better. And to teach you what that facilitator taught us, I need to take a step back. I met someone today, they were um, same background as mine, Mennonite. If you have a traditional church background, I'm just going to take a second and talk to you. If you've never seen it, if this is the first time you've ever even darkened the door of church and you've never watched The Simpsons or the news or Fox News or anything, you can ignore me right now. But chances are you have a view of the Christian tradition that's flavored in a certain way. And if you don't understand this flavoring, the motivation piece that we need to work with today gets kind of tainted and you don't really have. It's kind of like the tool is old and rusty and kind of broken and not sharp. So I want to tell you, there's a story that Jesus, or is told about Jesus. It's from a gospel that we call John. It's written maybe 80 to 110 years after Jesus. So this is like generations later. And the story goes like this. There's this big party. It's a wedding feast. So weddings happen, reception, they're having a shaker. Having a great time. Anyone like a party? Any party people here? Yeah, there we go. You guys are all like, no, I sit at home and read. That's what I do for fun. <laughs> That's what I do for fun. <laughs> so they're having this big party, and the host is looking over, and everyone's you know, smiling and dancing and having an incredible time. And the employee walks up to the host and says the thing that every host dreads more than anything. We've run out of booze. They're in the middle of the party. They got like, this party's just getting going. Everyone is having a blast. They are enjoying themselves. The pleasure is going everywhere. And now the host is going, oh crap. And they don't have liquor stores like we do. I can't, you can't just drive down the street and go grab whatever you need. And you know, no one will know the difference. 
It's like you'd have to like walk 10 miles to the local wine place and, you know, I don't know, pick wine. Does anyone know how to make wine? I think it takes a long time. Let's just assume it takes a long time. It's not just something you go get and take home. So anyways, host is freaking out. This party's going to fall apart. Everyone's going to leave. Everyone's going you know, to talk about this party being the worst party ever. And so Jesus is there at the party, and his mom's there with him. And his mom says, you know, comes over to Jesus, hey, Jesus, did you hear? They've run out of wine. Can you believe it? And here's the weird part. Jesus says, now, before I go there, anyone watch The Simpsons? You know the character Ned Flanders? What is Ned Flanders saying in this moment? We have a party with booze, people having a good time, having pleasure. What is he thinking right now? And for those of you who don't know, he's like the most square, uptight, anal, religious person you've ever met in your life. If anything is enjoyable and brings you pleasure whatsoever, you probably shouldn't do it. So party and wine? Hello? That should all stop immediately. And so most people who grew up in a certain tradition, they see pleasure this way. Pleasure is bad. We even have this term. When you have a really good piece of cake, what do they call it? Sinfully good. It's this idea that says things that bring you pleasure and joy and you enjoy somehow is a bit off spiritually. And so from that point of view, we'd look through the Ned Flanders lens at the party that Jesus is at and think, well, Jesus is going to stop this thing, right? Well, thank goodness they ran out of booze. Now we can at least go home and, you know, read a book. What does he do instead? He says, okay, fill up some jugs. They have some areas where they wash their hands. It's full of water. Alakazam, alakazoo. He says, take the lid off. Take the lid off that puts a cup in. It's wine. Now just think for a second what he's just done. Most people focus on the Alakazam, Alakazoo part. I want to focus on the other part. There's a bunch of people enjoying themselves, having a blast, having a great party. They run out of wine. Their pleasure goes from like an eight out of 10 and it's dropping fast. This party's going to fall apart. And Jesus says, no, no, no. I don't want to stop this party. I'm not going to pull a Ned Flanders. I'm going to make it better. When the wine is brought back to the party people, they're blown away. They're like, this isn't that $9 cheap crap you buy on sale at the store. This is like a $50 bottle of wine. It tastes incredible. Jesus deliberately makes more pleasure for a group of people. Think of that for a second. What was your growing up conception of pleasure and spirituality? Did they go together? Or if, it, if, it's too mu- if it's too good, if it's too fun, if it tastes too good, if I'm enjoying myself too much, it's probably bad, I should feel some sort of guilt. I'm not even sure why I feel guilty, but I feel a little guilty. Jesus brings more pleasure for a group of people. That's what he did. There's this, there's a poem, probably, well, I'm not sure, 100, maybe 1,000 years before Jesus. It goes like this. Can you throw it up there for me, Esmond? Seize life. Eat bread with gusto. 
Drink wine with a robust heart. Oh yes, God takes pleasure in your pleasure. Dress, dress festively every morning. Wear my crab shirt, huh? Don't skimp on colors and scarves. I forgot my scarf, but whatever. Relish life with a spouse you love each and every day of your precious life. Pleasure, enjoyment as spiritual. We have a series coming up in a couple months on sexuality and talking about sexuality and spirituality and how they're connected. They don't hate each other. Pleasure and spirituality. So here's my question. Can you throw the question up for me, Esmond? Uh, (laughs) Let me just jump. I'll jump back for a second. What's your view on the relationship between pleasure and your spirituality? Think about that for a second. When you're having the most pleasure, does that feel profoundly spiritual? Or is there some low-level guilt that you're like, I'm probably doing something bad here. If you grew up in my tradition, drinking, dancing, smoking, fill in whatever blank you want, if you enjoy it, you probably shouldn't be doing it. And yet, part of our motivation is tied to pleasure. And if we don't understand how pleasure works, if we feel some level of disconnection from pleasure, it's like we have this tool that we're not even using. So for those of you who grew up in a tradition or watched enough Simpsons, if you see a disconnect between pleasure and your spirituality, that's the first place to start. Ask yourself, could those be intimately connected? Okay, let me come back. I started with a bunch of task people trying to motivate a bunch of people people to file and have them smile at the end. How did it happen? And to do that, I need to quote one of my favorite, or my mom's favorite sopranos. Um, Julie Rob, or no, Julie Andrews. Do you know Julie Andrews? Mary Poppins. Anyone know Mary Poppins? This is a bit old. But anyway, she says this line before her song, A Spoonful of Sugar Helps the Medicine Go Down. She says this, in every job that must be done, there's an element of fun. Find the fun and snap the jobs the game. And then she sings, a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. What an incredible idea. In psychology, we actually have a word for it. We call it bundling. (laughs) It's kind of a lamer word. Spoonful of sugar sounds a lot better. It goes a little like something like this. Um, when me and Jeff kind of took over Friends Church, we've split up the de- or the tasks that we do. Jeff took the income side of Friends Church. I took the expense side of Friends Church. So Jeff does like the fundraising parties and the donor relations and all that stuff. He's good with that stuff. I, I review bank statements. <laughs> oh, I got a, a nod as well. A bookkeeper, banker, anything, task person. Oh, interesting. I gotta, we got to talk after. I'd like to hear. But I don't really enjoy reviewing detailed bank statements. Any of you bookkeepers out there, accountants, like God bless you, for me, not the easiest thing to do. So she'll send, so our bookkeeper, Yvette, who's incredible, she'll send me this big package of stuff. She drops it on my desk, and then she kind of giggles. <laughs> and then she takes off, and I'm always like, oh, Bank statement. And then oftentimes I let it go for a month, and now I have two bank statements, 
right? It's that job you procrastinate on. It just keeps multiplying. And so over the years, I tried to figure out, well, how come I don't, how do I motivate myself to do these stupid bank statements? And here's what I came up with. I have this guilty pleasure. It's kind of a weird thing. Chances are you didn't know this about me. It's a bit awkward to share it with you. But there's a certain musical genre that I just love. It kind of gets me into the mood, and I only listen to it when I'm reviewing bank statements. Can you bring it on for me? I think it's Turkish electronic dance music. I actually don't know what they're saying. I hope it's nice. For all they could be saying, Vince, you're an idiot. Why are you listening to this? But for some reason, that sparks my soul. I get in this kind of weird trance state, and then I'm just like tapping my foot and dancing. And it's not lyrics, so I can't understand what they're saying, so my brain doesn't get pulled into that. But it gives me this beautiful place to do bank statements. I bundle them. The medicine is the bank statement. The sugar is the Turkish electronic dance music. You guys are looking at me like I'm an idiot. I don't know how I came up with that. It works for me, whatever. It bundles, right? When they first started setting this, the, the book we're using, uh, I think it's called How to Change. Really fascinating book. Katie Miltman, she's definitely worth Check out her TED Talk. She's not the greatest speaker, but her content is killer. What they did is, back before we all had phones that had all of our music on them, we had iPods. Remember those little itty-bitty iPods? She got a bunch of people who wanted to work out, and she got them, and she, she separated two groups. One group, she said, okay, you want to work out more? Yeah, okay, great. You're all going to get iPods, and we're going to download the juiciest, like, hookiest, most exciting murder mystery book you can possibly find. And then the first day, you're going to come in, you're going to work out for an hour, and we're going to let you listen to the first chapter, just so the hook is set. And you're just like, oh, I can't. i got to know what happens next. And then when you leave the gym to go home, you have to give us back the iPod, and we lock it in this little cabinet. And anytime you come to the gym, we'll give you your iPod. You can listen as much as you want, as long as you're working out. This was before you could just go download the book on your home, at home. I was always thinking, like, I wonder how that would work. This is before you could actually do that. So here's what they did. Every time they come in, they listen to this great book. They were hooked. They were like, what's going to happen? Now they're thinking, about, oh, I go to the gym. And I can listen to the rest of that book and see what the next chapter looks like. The other group of people, it was just go to the gym and work out. Who do you think worked out more? It was a huge change. What did they do? They added a little sugar made things a little bit nicer so that the medicine goes down, right? Bundled it. So let's go back to our thing. I want to try something and just see if any of you are willing to talk with me about this. I actually want to do this a little bit live if we can. Does anyone feel comfortable telling me something that you want to add into their life? Come on. Anyone? Everyone's looking down. Nothing. Wow. Christopher, thank you. Uh, tell me something that you wanted to change in your life. Make sure it's PG so that we all, it makes, <laughs> you can share with the crew. Very nice. Ah, he'd like to work out more. Anyone resonate with that? I'm, yeah, that's one for me too. I need to work out more. Okay, so do you enjoy working out? 
<laughs> okay, so that's the medicine for sure. So let's talk about the sugar in your life. What's things that you enjoy in your life? Just name something. Do you enjoy, is there food that you enjoy? Okay. Sewing, playing the piano, going for walks, playing with friends. Gotcha. Okay. Have you ever bundled any of that together? Have you ever thought about it? Oh. <laughs> Do you have friends that work out? They all moved away. Wow, it's tough. Okay. Do you like working out at home or do you like working out at the gym? Which is more motivating for you? The gym. So for you, having a separate space. What you're wearing at the gym, do you like ratty old clothes that smell or do you like to look nice? Okay. So friends, friends, you like friends, to hang out with friends. You like to work out at the gym. You like to uh, look nice. Music, do you like... Romanian dance music as well? I'll work out with you. <laughs> we'll shut down the gym and just play that music nonstop. So what would happen? So your motivation to work out is pretty low, right? What happens if you got a bunch of friends, you got to have a new outfit that looked killer, and you got to play Romanian dance music, and it was at the gym? Did the motivation climb at all for you? 100%. <laughs> After, go talk to him. You guys will get a workout party together, right? Think about how that works, though, right? Thanks, Chris. Very appreciate it. Think about how that works. He took something he didn't like, he added a bunch of things without taking this away, and bundled them together, added sugar to the medicine, and now he's more motivated. It's pretty straightforward, doesn't it? Why don't we do it? Think about the things that you do and what you could bundle together. Oh, yeah. I wanted to take you back to the filing story. How do you get a bunch of people, people who hate filing, to want to file? By the end, they were smiling. They were like, how do we start? Here's us, the task people. We're sitting down and we're doing one of these. Like, how do you get these freaking people to want to file? And the, the facilitator's sitting there. She knows exactly what she's doing. She's trying to get us to bundle. And she's kind of like chuckling because all of our answers at the beginning are just dumb. Like, well, what if we punish them if they didn't file? That would motivate them, right? <laughs> Finally, I remember I was supposed to, we come up with this idea and I was supposed to be the person um, presenting. So I get up in front of the, the team and I'm doing, I'm sweating. I public speak for a living. Speaking in front of people, not that scary. I'm nervous. I'm like, <clears throat> um, so um, we'd like you guys. Um, and I was like, okay, I'm all in. Okay, so here's what we're doing. We're having a filing party. We're going to get everyone together. We're going to have food and drinks. It's going to be a blast. We're going to have dancing. We're going to file all this stuff. What do you guys say? And I'm thinking they're going to laugh me out of the room. What do you think they're feeling at that point? Let's start the party. Let's get the filing party. I'm going, you guys realize this is a filing party, right? Filing party. And they're looking at me like, duh, let's do it. I'm in. Like, what? when do we start? When are the people showing up? I remember reading her book, 
Milkman's book, and all of a sudden I'm reading this chapter in Bundling, and I'm like, oh, that's what happened. We bundled something good with something that they needed to do. They, we put some sugar in the medicine. How much of us, how much of our lives could be made better if we added a little sugar to the medicine? When I was ultra running back in the old days, one of the things you have to do to ultra run is you have to run a lot, like a lot, a lot. And the weekends I knew I'd have to run anywhere from, let's say, two to eight hours. And I didn't want it because it, that's a long time of running and it's painful. And for some reason at the time, I remember thinking, you know what, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to run in the mountains. Screw it. I love trail running. I love being in the mountains. That'll make it better. Again, I didn't realize I was bundling. So think back to the problem you're trying to solve, the thing you're trying to change in your life. What can you add to it that's positive? What can you bundle with it? What kind of outfit can you buy? What kind of scarf can you add to the system? There's another subset of bundling that's really cool. I learned it, I, again, I learned it from Milkman, but I realized what we were doing. We, before we were here, we were at a place called Master's Academy. Anyone back from the Master's Academy days? It was a school, this massive school, and we had to set up every day, not like this. We have storage right over here. If you go right through that wall, you'd see a bunch of storage. We only have to carry it this far. There, they had no storage, so we bought this big trailer, and we put everything in carts, and we loaded it into the trailer. And then every Saturday, a crew would come, load it out of the trailer, run it down these massive long halls all the way around the school, and set it up. Now imagine yourself pushing a cart down a hall for like an hour, two and a half hours. It was drudgery. We hated it. We just like, you know, like totally dragging our feet. Until one day, J Terry Birch, I remember it distinctly. I can't remember why he told me, but he was like, oh yeah, we got it done in about an hour and a half. And I was like, what did you just say? He's like, we did it in an hour and a half. And I'm thinking to myself, we do it in about two and a half hours. You did it in an hour and a half? Challenge accepted. Guess what happened after that? We went from two and a half hours to down to 50 minutes. We were running down the halls, pushing two carts as fast as we can. We were flying. What changed? We gamified it. That's the technical term. We gamified the problem, the thing we needed to do so we had more motivation. Gamifying is just making a game out of it. Think of this. You have a two-year-old. I don't know a whole lot about kids, so we're going to see if this example works. You have a little kid who's got a bunch of stuffed animals on their floor, and you need them to clean it up. How do you motivate them? How do you throw some sugar in there? Yeah. Now, you could try and beat them. I don't think we're allowed to do that anymore, are we? That was from my childhood. <laughs> if you don't do that, you're going to get the strap, right? That's... Not, that's just adding more medicine to the medicine. Or you could take this thing and go, okay, here's the deal, kid. Every time you pick up a stuffed animal, you launch it into the storage case. Whoever gets this thing in gets three points. If you have a kid who likes games and competition, what do you think is going to happen? You're going to have the most epic game of three-point stuffy basketball of your life. The kid's going to want to clean up their room because it's fun. Find the fun, right? Mary Poppins. 
the sugar. Gamification is something that's done through everywhere. 12-step programs. The 12-step people are genius at this. I don't know a ton about it, but every period of time, it's like one week and one month, maybe a year, I'm not sure exactly the breakdown, you get a coin that says, I've been sober for X amount of time. It's gamifying it. It's rewarding success. It's game. So you, I, I can imagine somebody, you know, white-knuckling it. They're like, you know, three days from their one-month uh, anniversary, sobriety anniversary. And they know they're going to their 12-step meeting and they're going to get a chit if they, if they can make it three more days. Do you think that's going to give a bit more motivation to them? And then you're going to do it in public and everyone's going to cheer and clap for you when you've, you've accomplished it? Gamifying it. How do you gamify things? Okay, I have a, another dirty little secret. I, I told you guys about my Romanian electronic dance music fetish. Um, I also... Um, being on stage is a bit nerve-wracking for me. I don't mind talking. It's just standing up in front of you all that always feels a bit weird to me. <laughs> I'm an introvert. I, I tend to be, you know, by myself. And all of a sudden, you all are looking at me, and it's like, wow, there's a lot of people out there. And there's a camera over there, and it's recording everything. And Google never forgets. And every stupid thing I've said will never, ever be forgotten. And now I'm sweating. <laughs> you know how I gamify it? My wife knows. I have this thing with Coke. You know, not this kind of Coke, the kind you drink. <laughs> I knew where you guys were going. Sugar and caffeine, whoever invented that should have got a Nobel Peace Prize. Except for my body's health, everything else about that Coke is delicious. So I don't let myself have Coke at any other time unless I preach on stage. I gamify it. I reward myself. So think about ways you could gamify the thing you want to change. Give yourself a goal. If I can get to here, then I'll do this. I'll reward myself. I'll do it. Maybe I'll compete with someone. You know, Peloton, Jeff's really into Peloton. It's crazy. They keep your workout scores public with all your friends. Tell me that's not motivating. For anyone who's competitive, you see Johnny over there, you know, got an extra 20 minutes that you didn't get this week. It's like, oh, I'm doing it. I don't care if it's three o'clock in the morning on Sunday, I'm doing it. How could you gamify it? How could you connect with a friend? Say, hey, look, I'm going to try to do this. You don't do this. Let's see if we can both do it together. We'll kind of compete a little bit. Can you see how little things increase your motivation? Now, Christopher's being really nice to me. When we added a few things to his workout, I was like, how much do we increase your motivation? 100%. Oftentimes, it takes a 10% increase in motivation and you can get over the hump. You know, for me, it's often when I have to go lift weights, it's like, I just need the first step. As soon as I start, I know I'll be fine. But getting over that first hump is what I need. I just need enough motivation to get over the hump. So we have bundling. Underneath bundling, we have gamification. Bundling is how we got these people to have a filing party. I still can't believe they bought that one. We can gamify things. We can make it a race. We can compete with people. But there's one more thing that increases your motivation, and it's this most beautiful thing I've ever heard. She talks about it. You all know what it is. I don't like doing laundry. In fact, I really don't like doing laundry. But going grocery shopping? Yeah, grocery shopping's good. My wife hates grocery shopping. I don't actually, I've never actually asked you why. I don't know why. She just hates it. So what do we do? 
Take the thing that you're most motivated to do and trade it for the things you have least motivation to do. Suddenly, you have more motivation. Think about that. Have you thought about trading something with someone? I've heard of people trading IT work, my phone's broken, for babysitting. I thought that was pretty brilliant. I've heard of people doing meals for car repairs. I've heard of people trading taxes for pretty much anything. (laughs) What part of your life that you have low motivation for, is there somebody who actually has high motivation for that? You know that whole filing party? Do you know how much work the party would have been to put on so we could file three things? The task people could have had that done in about 45 seconds. We could have just traded it. Now, that's not what the facilitator wanted us to learn. She wanted us to learn bundling. But what tasks in your life do you have low motivation for and high? I love what I do. I would rather work way more here than clean my house. I hate cleaning. There's something about, like as the, wa- the rag is wiping across a cabinet, when I'm wiping it, I can feel the dirt landing behind it and going, I literally am doing nothing here. The second my rag is moved off, this is now dirty again. This is the most useless waste of my time I can possibly imagine. The amount of like hacks and things I'd have to put into my life to try and get me to clean is ridiculous. So what do I do? I trade it. I have a lady, she comes to our house, we pay her, she cleans her house, loves cleaning. She sometimes chastises me. That was pretty dusty today, Vince. I don't care. She cares. She loves cleaning. I love working. We trade. What things in your life could you trade away? Because you don't have motivation for them. Trade it for something you do. Now, if only we could get someone to work out for us, huh? (laughs) Someone's got to figure that out. Okay. Take a second and think about that thing you need to change in your life. And just bring it into your kind of consciousness. What happens if you don't do it? What's the worst case scenario? Is there a health issue that's going to happen? Drinking too much Coke? Is there a relational cost to not making this change? Personal cost? Think of the worst case. Like, what's the worst that could happen? Let that sit in your soul for a second. We did nothing. Now what if we could make the change we know we need to make? Is there some part of your life where you could bundle something with something you're not motivated for, but you know you need to change? Buy yourself a great new workout outfit with a scarf. Invite your friends to do something. Gamify it. Put it public so you can go head to head with someone you know it's like, oh, Jarvis is not going to beat me this week. Maybe it's something you can trade away. Your house is a disaster. Figure out a way to change for that. Trade someone else. I started this message by talking about spirituality and pleasure. You see now that if you have this negative feeling around pleasure, a lot of this motivation I'm talking about is tied to pleasure tied to the things that you'll enjoy. 
And if somehow you think, you know, subconsciously that your pleasure is bad, it's sinful, you're not going to use it. And when you do, you're going to feel embarrassed or ashamed. But if we can see the spirituality of pleasure, now it becomes a tool. And you can take the change you need to make, add pleasure to it, add the sugar, and you can literally change your life. just takes a shift. My prayer for each of us today is that we use motivation, this pleasure motivation, to make our lives better and the world around us better. Amen? Now, if you're thinking like some of us are thinking, oh, Clausen, <laughs> you're so naive. I've been trying to make this change for 30 years. It's never happened. We are literally going to talk about that, that piece right there, next week. You don't want to miss it. Folks, we can make a change. We can change our lives if we're willing to apply enough motivation. My final tip, if you think it's going to take this much motivation to get you over the hump, triple that number. Put as much motivation as you can to it. But we can do it. Have a great week, everyone. See you next week.